Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for taking some time to watch or listen to Talking Sports with Evan. I am your host, Evan with Allison. And boy, do I have a lot to discuss here today. Uh, Major League Baseball is canceling um, first couple series of the season. I'm going to touch base on that. Big Packer news. London Packers going to meet. Um, have some comments on that, as well as a, a guest coming up later this week. I'm going to announce to talk to um, who I'm going to be talking to. Um, Green Bay is a finalist for the 2024 NFL Draft. Going to talk about what kind of impact that can have to the city of Green Bay. And uh, Milwaukee Bucks, they beat the Charlotte Hornets uh, quite handedly uh, the other night, or last night. And uh, they're two newbies. Um, Carter and Bembry, wow, do they look good. Um, defensively, wow. And I'm going to talk about um, my thoughts on the Bucks, uh both over the weekend where they lost to Brooklyn and game they should have won, to be perfectly honest, other than you know, there's a few areas that if didn't go, you know, didn't, uh, if it would have went differently, there's a couple areas that the Bucks would have ran away with that game easily. And then the Packers have 15 free agents. I'm going to talk about which ones I think will be back and which ones I think will be gone. And then uh, some general comments in regards to Aaron Rodgers and some uh, some breaking news and other thoughts that have come out. And just, just the thought that's on my head in regards to that. So the first thing, though, I'm going to talk about is Major League Baseball. So back at the end of November, the owners and the owners locked out the players. Um, the owners locked out the players. Uh, they did not come to an agreement with the collective bargaining agreement prior to it expired, and the owners get locked out the players. And we don't really hear or see anything in regards to negotiations until pretty recently. So my comment or my question for those watching live is who who are you more upset at? Who are you more mad at? Is it the players or is it the owners? So for me, both sides deserve blame um, because I don't think both sides are actually negotiating. I think they're post posturing. I think the owners are posturing more than the players. I think they're both trying. I think it's like becoming a. Uh, they're, they're trying to see who's going to blink first, who's going to to uh, give up first, and who's just going to say, screw it, let's go with this agreement. And unfortunately, nobody's willing to uh, truly negotiate and try to come up with, a agree with an agreement to decide on baseball's new CBA. I side more with the players because I think the owners are, you know, they're, they're multi-billionaires. Um, they they don't have to really ever sacrifice much at all. They got big television, national television deals where they get a lot of money. And part of the problem is there's a lot of owners in baseball that just don't care about baseball itself. They want the prestige, prestige of owning a team. And the players are the ones that are actually, yes, I know it's not as physical or violent as football or physical as basketball or violent and physical as hockey. But these guys are the ones putting their bodies on the line, and they have a very short window to make money, and that's all they want to do. And they want to make it fair for every player, both the ones that are at the top echelon and those that are at the bottom, the minimum salaries. And I don't think the players are wrong for wanting more of the revenue 
um, the baseball generates to be geared towards them. I don't think they're wrong for wanting minimum salaries up. I don't think they're wrong for um, some of the stuff they're asking for. But in reality, the owners just don't care. The owners are billionaires. They feel that they're going to get their way no matter what because in in the matter of public opinion, they're always going to win the battle of billionaires versus millionaires. And I've seen a lot of people comment and share that don't look at it as a matter of it being millionaires versus billionaires. It's billionaires versus workers. But people don't look at it that way. They look at that these baseball players are lucky to be able to get paid and compensated so well by throwing a baseball and swinging a bat. But in reality, they're the ones that make these owners the money. And I think the owners should give a little bit. But I know last night, the original deadline was midnight last night. And they extended it to 5 p.m. today because they felt that they were going to come up. They were very, very close. And they felt with a few extra hours, they could come up with some kind of... uh some kind of uh, agreement. But in reality, that's the owners posturing. They're trying to put all the pressure on the players to to, 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 to uh, give up. They're trying to put all the pressure on the players to flinch first. And if not, guess who gets the blame? The players get the blame. The players are the ones that walked away from the table. The players are the ones that's unreasonable. And that's how the owners want it. And in reality, to me, the owners are the ones being unreasonable. And the reason, again, because they know that most people in the eye of in public opinion is going to side with them. In reality, we all just want our baseball. I want to be able to watch the Brewers. I want to be able to watch the Brewers playing the Cubs. I want to be able to listen to Bob Euchre on the radio. I want to be able to, to get to AmFam Field and catch a game. But this lockout, this canceling the first two series of the season, which will not be made up due to both sides' unwillingness to even compromise or flinch on anything, is annoying. And I'm not sure where you're watching this from, but baseball is going to struggle to come back if they have to cancel any more games than already canceled. If this comes out to... We don't see baseball until July, or we don't see baseball until August, or we don't see baseball at all in 2022. This is going to be difficult for Major League Baseball to bounce back. In 94, after the strike, they were able to bounce back because you had Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire in the home run chase, and you had Barry Bonds in his pursuit of Hank Aaron. Turns out that they were all um, not doing it on the up and up. And they weren't the only ones either, to be perfectly honest. But I don't know what baseball has that can bring people back like Sosa and McGuire did. I don't know. I don't know what, what's available. And in Wisconsin, I can't speak for other states, but in Wisconsin, you got the Milwaukee Milkmen. You got the Kenosha Kingfish. You got the, the Lakeshore Chinooks. You have the, the rest of the Northwoods League and uh, the Summer Baseball League that's around. You got the Wisconsin uh, Timber Rattlers. You got the the Beloit, whatever they're calling themselves these these days. I think it's Sky Carp, kind of ridiculous name. But anyways, my point is, for those that are truly fans of baseball, yes, it's not the household names, but you got baseball to watch. the the the, t- the Timber Rattlers will have opening day April eighth. You can go up to Appleton and watch the Timber Rattlers play. 
you're likely not going to get opening day in baseball at the earliest. I think it's April 7th, if we're lucky. And that's assuming they don't cancel any more series. You're likely not going to have opening day at Fan Field until April 14th, because that would be their next home series after opening day. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is both the owners and the players need to get locked in a room, no going different places to talk, just lock them in a room and force them to come to an agreement that benefits both sides. And I think the players need to get a little bit more on the compensation as well. But I would love to know, with MLB canceling their first two series, who are you watching or listening to this more angry at? And you can tweet at me if you're on Twitter, at Evan with Sports. You can go on Facebook.com, look up Talking Sports with Evan. You can comment there as well, or in the uh, YouTube, uh, in the comments, uh, any of the comments on the videos. Um, you can comment. I would love to know your thoughts and who you are more mad at. Is it the players? Is it the owners? Um, and then if you want to share why, I, I would like you to to share the why as well. But long story short, these guys need to figure it out because baseball is going to have a serious issue moving forward if um, they can't come to an agreement anytime soon. So moving on, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's where I'm going to move to next. The Milwaukee Bucks um, had a game, you know, so they lost two or three going into the All-Star break. They lost their first game coming out of the All-Star break. And then they beat the Charlotte Hornets 130 to 106. So I had Tristan Tom Thomas on my show last week to talk a little bit about the Bucks. You can find that anywhere you can find a podcast, Talking Sports with Evan. Um, and I was kind of asking him his thoughts, his worries on the Bucks. And after the, the Brooklyn Nets game, I was producing the network, I mean, I'm sorry, not the network, the local post-game show on the Bucks flagship station, 620 uh, WTMJ. And the question uh, Justin Garcia was asking, where are you on a panic level between zero and 10? And I didn't get to share this on air, but I, I thought about it, though, and I'm going to share it with you all. My panic level after the Brooklyn game was probably about a three, um, three leaning toward the four. And the reason why I was there, because there's some sloppiness that had been worrying me. Um, I'm not that worried about the Bucks overall. I think when push comes to shove, they will be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference, and that's truly ultimately what I want to see from the Bucks. I want to see them be a top two or three seed in the East. They showed last year that you can be a top, you can be the three seed in the Eastern Conference and you can win it all. Um, but there is a few things after Saturday's game that was concerning to me. Um, the sloppiness with the basketball, they had 15 turnovers and gave up 27 points off turnovers. And Drew Holiday, who has one, been one of the top point guards in the NBA all season long, had, I think, seven of those 15 turnovers. Very uncharacteristic. And then they missed 13 free throws. They lost to the Brooklyn Nets by three when they missed 13 free throws and turned the ball over 15 times, giving up 27 points. So when I, I commented on the intro that I felt that the Bucks should have blew out the Nets, they should have. 
they should have blew the Nets out. It, the Bucks beat themselves. And we saw against Philadelphia right before the All-Star break, too. Ultimately, the Bucks beat themselves. They got sloppy on defense in the second quarter against Philly. They failed to close out the game. They were sloppy with the basketball on Saturday night against the Nets. They couldn't nail a free throw, especially in the fourth. I think seven of their 13 missed free throws came in the fourth quarter against uh, against Brooklyn. You're not going to win a lot of basketball games. You're not going to win a lot of basketball series when you're shooting that poorly from the line. Now, thankfully, against the Hornets, their 130-106 to 106 win over the Hornets, um, I think they missed one or two free throws the entire game. Giannis was 14 for 14 from the line. Holiday uh, redeemed himself both with the basketball and from the line. And the Bucks completely dominated the uh, the Hornets. And other areas that I was um, – so Charlotte's defense, not very good. Um, the Hornets are a team the Bucks should beat easily. We've seen the Hornets give the Bucks fits um, through this is the fourth meeting of the year, and the Bucks were two, uh, one and two coming into this meeting. And those three games, um, <laughs> they barely won the first one, and then they lost the last two, but that was also without Drew Holiday. But the guys who I'm excited about is Javon Carter and DeAndre Bembry. Those two play tenacious defense. They are bulldogs. They, you know, we, we, we remember P.J. Tucker all last year talking about we dogs. Those two are dogs. They, they bring it every single they take they take the most out of every opportunity they get on the floor and they bust their ass. They, they're hungry. And ultimately, to me, there's been stretches this season. That's what the Bucks have been missing. They've been missing that hunger. But Bembry and Carter. They bring hunger and tenacity and intensity and defense to the Bucks. They put the pressure on the ball as soon as it's inbounded, making it more difficult for them to get the ball up the floor, and they're forcing you to have to use up a lot of shot clock in order to get a good shot off. And that's that's good. And the Bucks have been struggling defensively, but when those two are in the game – Oh my God, do they bring it? And Serge Ubaka is an above above average defender, good rebounder. I like what the Bucks have done in the trade market and in the the buyout market to put this team together that could potentially make a run in the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm not planning to over. I'm not trying to overreact to a win yesterday. Um, but Carter, we saw a little bit of it in the Brooklyn game where he um, forced an eight-second violation, forced another turnover, and it looked like he was almost single-handedly turning that game around when he got popped in the face and got a bloody nose. And I don't think he, I don't think he played again after he got the bloody nose, to be honest. I don't think he did. So those two bring a different kind of intensity that the Bucks have been missing without P.J. Tucker. And yes, I know neither of these guys are going to be able to guard um, uh, Kevin Durant in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, we got to get to the playoffs and we're worried about that matchup when it happens. But I'm just I'm happy with what I saw. I don't think anyone else in the East got stronger at the trade deadline who are contenders. 
I think Philly going with James Harden is a step back a little bit. Harden does not play defense at all. I know Ben Simmons hasn't played the season up to this point, but he was at least a great defender if he was going to play. But uh, Harden does not play defense at all. And you got James Harden and you have um, your, your, your MB, your center, who all both need the ball in their hands and they want the ball in their hands a lot. But with um, those two in the same lineup, that could potentially cause some problems. Yes, it's looked good early on, but they get 20 games to try to figure it out. And in Brooklyn, um, Ben Simmons hasn't played all season long. Kyrie for right now cannot play home games. And Durant is coming back soon if he's not already from a knee issue. Now you're going to have a short window to get those three accustomed to each other. And with the Bucks, the big thing with the Bucks is you, I think they got stronger at the deadline and the buyout market, like I mentioned. But you also are looking like you're going to have Brooke Lopez coming back probably in the next couple weeks. And you got Pat Connaughton coming back probably shortly before the playoffs start. And I know I hear what are we going to, you know, what's Brooke going to be even be able to give you? He's a 30 something year old center with a bad back. um, Hasn't played all season long because of it. You're asking too much for him. Well, no, what Brooke Lopez does, I'm not asking Brooke Lopez to be a 20 point, 15 point, a game scorer. I'm I'm looking for him to bring you defense, bring you uh you know some nice minutes. And with Brooke Lopez in the starting lineup and Pat Connaughton back, you have Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton being your two big guys, two big uh your two main guys off the bench. Portis being your your six, uh Pat C being your seven. And it, it's putting guys in roles that they should be in. I love Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis has done a lot of great stuff having the start, but he's also can be a liability at times on defense. You put him in off the bench, great. He can also play more of a four instead of a five. Serge Ubaka, your 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 uh, number your your uh, backup center off the bench. Um, Giannis can play more four and three, and you just kind of set things up you come playoff time and if Carter and Bembry the minutes they gave you the past two games if they can give you those minutes and play that effectively again you're putting yourselves in position to be successful and ultimately the big thing at the end of the day and we can worry about this when it happens is who's going to cover the likes of Kevin Durant come a seven game playoff series so I'm not too worried about the Bucs. I'm comfortable with where the Bucs are right now. Do I want them better than a fifth seed? Of course I do. I wa- I feel they're going to finish in the top three in the Eastern Conference as well. And that's where you got to finish. You're, at least, you're guaranteed at least the first round play, uh, home court advantage, the first two at home. Um, if you're the two seed, you're guaranteed at least the first two at home. Um the issue is if you're the one seed and the two seed, you're running into potentially the Brooklyn Nets um, or others um, in these playing tournaments and who knows what's going to happen. So that's my thought on the Bucks. So now, next thing, finally, and he knew it was going to happen. He knew it was happening. You especially knew it was happening when Green Bay was going to have nine home games in 2022. 
Um, with the NFL having 17 game schedule now with nine home games, you knew the London trip was coming. And with that said, in 2022, the Green Bay Packers are going to London. Um, now, if I was a betting man, um, I would try to figure out who is going to get the London trip. Um, so here's who are set for the Packers' uh, nine home games. They got the Vikings, the Bears, the Lions, obviously, are division opponents. Then you got the Cowboys, the Giants, the Rams, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Titans. Obviously, cross off your divisional opponents, your Vikings, your Bears, your Lions. They're off the list. They're not taking those divisional games and moving it to London. That's not happening. Um, Cowboys, no, that's not being moved to London either. The Packers and the NFL won't be moving that matchup. Mike McCarthy coming to Lambeau Field for the first time since being fired as the Packers head coach, there is no way that game will be anywhere near London. That's going to be played at 12, uh, 1245. Uh, uh, that's going to be played at Lambeau Field. Um, the Rams, defending Super Bowl champions, again, that's not going to be played in London. The Packers are not going to allow, or the NFL is not going to put the defending Super Bowl champions in London against Green Bay. Um, New England Patriots, same thing. You're, you're not taking Bill Belichick coming to Lambeau Field storyline off, off the table just to go play overseas in London. So I've eliminated six opponents from likely, um, likely being played in London. So that leaves you the New York Football Giants, the New York Football Jets, or the Tennessee Titans as your opponent going over to London. And my guess is going to be the Tennessee Titans. I I think that's who we're going to see the Packers play in London. And I'm excited for it. I, and I know some players hate the trip. Some fans are annoyed because Green Bay is losing a home game. and. Uh, that's a lot of that's revenue being taken out of the Green Bay economy to go over to London. But in reality, they're 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 still playing eight home games. The difference is one's just going to be played in London now, the ninth. So you're really not losing a home game. And I know it sucks because last year you played nine games on the road. This year you're supposed to have an extra home game, but you got to go to London. And next year you have nine on the road again. So yeah, that's going to suck. Um, two years in a row. Uh, not getting, you know, three years in a row, not getting that extra um, home game, home game revenue at Lambeau. But the NFL is trying to grow globally. And, you know, you got Tampa Bay, who won the Super Bowl two years ago. Yes, it's going to be a different Tampa Bay going to Germany. You got Arizona Cardinals going to Mexico. And you got Green Bay, the Saints, and Jacksonville going to London. Well, Jacksonville always goes to London. Um, the Saints have gone a couple times, but you you're trying to grow the sport globally, and the Packers are not just a Wisconsin brand; they're not just a national brand. They are known worldwide. You got Packer fans all over the world, especially in England. There's Facebook groups and Twitter groups and Twitter accounts dedicated to being UK Packer fans, and I'm gonna have 
somebody from England coming on Friday at 7.30 on Talking Sports with Evan, talking about what it means to her to have the Packers going over to England to play a game. And if you want, if the NFL truly wants to grow the sport on an international stage, an international level, this is perfect. And you want to bring a team like the Packers over. Yes, ideally, it would be Packers New England um, or Packers Cowboys, two other na- uh, international uh, teams that are known internationally. But I don't think the NFL is going to take those away from being played in Green Bay. But what are your thoughts? And again, you can tweet at me at Evan with Sports, or you can comment on these videos, or you can go on Facebook and comment there, or you can email me at uh, talking sports with Evan at gmail.com, and I'll share some of your replies on my show on Friday. So that was big news. Other big news, and this is I, I am super stoked for. Now, I'm not going to London, England to watch the Packers play. I'm sorry. I'm excited for them being in London, England. But the thing I'm even more fired up about is this. Drumroll, bottom of the screen. The city of Green Bay has been named a finalist for the 2024 NFL Draft. This is a huge freaking deal. Um, The economic uh, impact over a three-day period in Cleveland, $42 million in economic impact. In Nashville, Tennessee, in 2019, um, the 2019 NFL draft in Tennessee resulted in a $224 million uh, economic impact on that city with $130 million in direct spending. So Green Bay, they, they, they lost out on quite a bit of revenue during the the pandemic, having playing games with no fans in attendance. The city lost out on economic booms. You get your your home games back. And then in 2024, and I'm I'm pretty confident in the NFL draft coming to Green Bay in 2024 because your alternatives are Detroit and Washington, D.C. And I don't, with everything going on in Washington right now, I truly don't think the NFL <clears throat> I truly don't think the NFL will put the NFL draft in Washington, DC, with everything going on with the Washington uh commanders right now. I, I, I just don't see that happening. And Detroit I think Green Bay has a pretty good chance with Titletown District now up and running. Um, the hotel, the uh, title, the, the lodge, Kohler Lodge, they put up. Um, I, I I like what I like Green Bay's chances of getting in the 2024 draft, and I am definitely going to p- find a way, plan a way to be up there for the draft. I think it'll be a great experience. Um, ideally, I'll have credentials by then. Um, with you know my my stuff that I do, but I think it's great that the NFL draft could be coming to Green Bay in 2024. Now again, they're just a finalist, but if the if the Green Bay City of Green Bay and the Green Bay Packers get to host the NFL draft in 2024, 
What are your thoughts? Will you go? I plan on going. What say you? And then last thing I want to talk about as I pull up my, my list of pending free agents for Green Bay, like I mentioned, they got 15, 13 unrestricted, two restricted free agents. And I'm just going to go down in order on what I feel they need to do. First one being um, Devontae Adams. Should the Packers bring back Devontae Adams? Yes. Um, Rodgers loves him. So if Rodgers, and I think he will, if Rodgers does in fact come back to be your quarterback in 2022, you want Devontae there for Aaron. If Aaron is not your quarterback in 2022 and you have to go Jordan Love or somebody else, you want Devontae Adams there to help that quarterback out. Because if you're going to go forward with a new quarterback in a year or two, because Rodgers retires or gets traded or whatever, you need to have the pieces in place to help that quarterback be successful. You need a strong offensive line, which the Packers have. You need a strong running game, which the Packers have. And you need weapons for your young quarterback to throw the ball to. So I think bringing Devontae Adams back, um, now obviously I don't want to pay him $30 million a year. I think that's a little high. But I think you need to bring Devontae Adams back. That is a no-brainer. Next one up, another no-brainer is Kevin King. I think Kevin King gets unfairly criticized too much. I think he gets blamed for stuff that he has no control over. And I think people just look to trash Kevin King no matter what he does. Um, Now... He got stuck with being the guy the Packers drafted over T.J. Watt when there was a lot of people that wanted T.J. Watt at that particular time, um, and they took Kevin King. They traded back to take Kevin King, so I think you have that concern with it. And then he's been injured. And if, if Kevin King doesn't have to suffer from the injuries and he's able to have the NFL career that he's shown flashes of when he's been healthy, I think we're fine with I think we're fine with taking Kevin King over TJ Watt. But TJ Watt's developed into an NFL defensive player of the year. While Kevin King has not been able to stay healthy at all. And I think if uh you know if worlds roles were reversed, we'd be loving the pick. It just hasn't worked out. And I think it as much as I I, I uh argue and fight for Kevin King sometimes because I, again I think he's unfairly um, criticized and put down a lot. I think it's time for him to move on. Um, it's just not working out. And you got Stokes, you have Alexander trying to bring back Douglas. Um, I just don't think there's a spot for him. And he, you know, let him go someplace else and see if he can uh, have a Casey Hayward or a Micah Hyde type uh, bounce back when he goes somewhere else. I think that's, you know, what we can kind of hope for with Kevin King. At least that's what I hope for, but I think it's time for Packers to move on from Kevin King. Robert Tunyon, he's he's the uh, he's the question mark. He had a great 2020, um, unguardable, caught everything even thought to be thrown in his direction, and he had I want to say 11 touchdowns um, that year. So 2021. 
he's not having the impact that he was having. And he tears his ACL during the season. So what is the real Robert Tanyan? Is it the Robert Tanyan we saw in 2020 uh, 2020 season? Um, or is it closer to what we saw in 2021? <clears throat> Teams had a chance to kind of scout him. He had to block more with injuries on the offensive line. I think with Tanyan, you're going to get him back for cheap for the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL. So maybe you sign him to a one- or two-year deal, see if he's healthy, and see what happens. Chandler Sullivan, I I think it's time to let Chandler, Chandler Sullivan go. Um, he's a solid player, but he is what he is. He's nothing special. And I, I think you can do better than Chandler Sullivan. You can do better as a slot corner than what you get for Chand- with Chandler Sullivan. Um, that That's just my thought. I think you can do better than that. And I think you need to set the bar higher, talent-wise. Devondre Campbell is an obvious keep. Um, he, he is probably the most important piece on the defense at this point. Um, he is definitely... Uh, he, he showed the Packers just how important that middle linebacker position actually is, not the way the Packers treated it year after year. Um, Campbell was a difference maker on that side of the ball, and he made the front seven that much better. And I don't think you let that leave. Now, I get it. I understand up until 2021, he had kind of been a journeyman and hasn't really hadn't really shown uh, what kind of player he was. And maybe 2021 is a fluke. But I don't think that's a risk you want to take, especially with what you currently have on your roster, which is ultimately Ty Summers and uh, Chris Barnes. And Chris Barnes I like. I think Chris Barnes is a hell of a linebacker, but you need to pair him up with another hell of a linebacker and not do what the Packers did with A.J. Hawk year after year after Desmond Bishop got hurt and pair him next to garbage or pair him up. I, garbage is a little too harsh, and I apologize for anyone I might have offended there, but you don't want to pair Chris Barnes up with subpar players like the Packers did with A.J. Hawk year after year after uh, you know after Desmond Bishop got hurt. So I think you have to bring back Devondre Campbell. Lucas Patrick. I think Lucas Patrick is better to move on from. Um, I think you could get younger, and I think you could get better. Kind of my argument with Chandler Sullivan. You you can do better, and you need to set the ball high, bar higher. Um, yes, Patrick can play all three interior positions. He, he's going to give you his maximum effort each and every play. But, again, I think you can do better. Um, Dennis Kelly, thank you for, you know, what you did. But I think it's time to let Dennis Kelly go. Um, you know, they – they bring in Rick Wagner to be that swing tackle in 2020. He's there a year. They let him go. They bring Dennis Kelly in. He's that swing tackle. I think you can let him go, and I think you can get better. And then you're going to have um, Yash Nijman, who I'll get to in a moment, and David Bakhtiari likely at your tackles, potentially Billy Turner if they don't uh, release him. So I think Dennis Kelly, with what Yosh Nijman uh, showed, I think you can let Kelly go. Um, Tyler Lancaster, same reason for Chandler Sullivan. I think it's time for Tyler Lancaster to move on. He he He's just a guy. He's nothing special. 
yeah, he works hard. Yeah, he um, gives you maximum effort, but you can do better than just settling for maximum effort. You want somebody that's going to, you want somebody that's going to make plays. Um, you need guys next to Kenny Clark that is going to help Kenny Clark be that difference maker in the middle, and that's not Tyler Lancaster. Um, the punter, Corey, and I'm not going to butcher the last name. I think you need to keep him. Um, I know he struggled at times during, during the tail end of the season, and some of that could have been more long snapping issues um, than anything. But I think you want to bring him back. You just bring in a new long snapper that's better than what you had and then see what he does for you over a course of a fourth season with a long snapper that is halfway decent. Rasul Douglas, I think you'd bring him back um, if the price is right. He was a huge impact player for you when you needed it, and I think you bring him back. Um, his role is going to be different in 2022 with Alexander back. Um, you can put him and uh, Stokes on the outside and Alexander on the inside, and I'm pretty comfortable with that. And then Oren Burks, I think it's time to let Oren Burks walk. I think he, uh, I think you can get better depth-wise um, than what Oren Burks gives you. Um, I think you know Chandler Sullivan and uh, Lancaster and um, Lucas Patrick. I don't think you should settle for a guy that is just a guy who can do just enough for you. So, Yash Nijman, you bring back. He's a restricted free agent. Alan Lazard, you bring back. He's a restricted free agent. So, that's my thought. And then finally, um, for those jumping at every comment made about Aaron Rodgers did this, Aaron Rodgers allegedly said this, Aaron Rodgers people are saying that, just settle down. Um, the comment last week or the, the report last week from Diana Rosini isn't any breaking news. Rogers said on Pat McAfee last week that he's going to make a decision soon. So it's not really breaking news two days later that breaking news, Aaron Rodgers is going to make a decision soon. <clears throat> and I don't think it's. You know, I don't think and these comments about him wanting to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. I don't unless they come from his mouth. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, he might want to, but he's smart enough to understand the economics of the NFL that he knows that if he, you know, he may need to leave some money on the table to put the team in the best position to win. And then this week. You know, it's uh, more speculation on Aaron Rodgers is coming out again. Um, again, we don't need to hang. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, I remember what it was. It was Ian Rappaport is reporting that um, the Packers and Rodgers camp are putting the framework together for a new contract in case Aaron Rodgers decides to return. No crap, Sherlock. Of course they are. They, they should be, and they're doing the right thing by doing it. So, again, the point I'm making, I know it's frustrating. I know it's easier said than done, but just let it play out. And whatever happens and wherever the dust settles, it does. And when push comes to shove, I'm fairly confident, not as confident as I was last year, because I made a, a bold statement last year that I'm not going to repeat this year. Um, 
I, you can find the tw- tweets on Twitter, but I'm fairly confident that Aaron Rodgers will return and be the Packers starting quarterback in 2022. So with that said, again, I have another show coming up Friday at 730. Going to be talking to a young lady from England um, who uh, is a big Packer fan. Going to talk to her about the impact and her thoughts on getting to watch a Packer game in England, in London, um, as well as some other stuff as well. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your night. I will get back at you later this week.